All right, so we are here with Kingdom Conversation, and your name is? Timothy. All right, so um, give a quick synopsis of how you got saved. I was young, and I had more money than most people. <laughs> I had everything. Uh, but, and I even got, I just got recently, but before I got saved, I just got recently promoted on a job. They were going to open up a new position. They were going to make me boss of the women section. Mm-hmm. They'd never done that before. I said, we want to try something different. We're, in, what, we're wondering if you're interested. What business was this? It was uh, Washington Seaboard Nurseries in Seattle. Okay. And anyway, uh, one day I got, I got so burnt out that I couldn't work anymore. What happened is I was taking cocaine. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I bottomed out what they call the cocaine blues. And I didn't have no strength. I couldn't barely move. I, and I was depressed. And, but the weird thing is, I didn't buy it. There was this native guy that stood at the doorway and gave it to me every time I came to work. Oh, wow. Yeah, he kept me buzzed, man. Anyway, I got burned out, and then I, I went to my boss, and he freaked out. He looked at me. He couldn't believe what I was saying. I told him I had a cocaine problem. He said, hold it right here, and he went in the back. He said, I'm going to get my friend. He brought his friend back and says, tell me what tell him what you told me. And I told him I got a cocaine addiction, and they didn't know what to do. He looked at me and looked at me and said, we don't know what to do because normally if we just call the cops and take you to jail. But he says, but you are such a good worker, we don't want to lose you. But he says, why don't you Why don't you join some kind of program for 30 days, go clean, and we'll hire you back. I never did go back. But right after that, I went up to my apartment, got stoned, and for some reason, I said, I said, uh, Satan, I dare you to come into me, which was a mistake. And I got really stoned, I went to sleep, I woke up, and it seemed like the whole room was closing in on me. And so I freaked out and walked up. I was living on Queen Anne in Seattle, and I walked down the hill, walked to Ballard Bridge, and I looked down there, and I stood there all night just, hell, just giving me little thoughts like, why don't you just end it? There's nothing to live for. There's nothing to live for. You grew up with a messed up family life. Your dad didn't care for you. Your mom was never home. The alcoholics, the abusive, and all the money in the world. I had money. I had everything. I had cars. I had paper holders rent that so rich, and uh, I was sitting there all night long, just didn't know what to do with myself. All I knew was that if I just stepped off the bridge, it would end right there. It's a good hundred feet down. It would have been it. I'd, if I, I would have been dead. But um, uh, thank God I didn't. It was Sunday morning. The sun came up. I went and sat at the park like this. I'm sitting there wondering what to do with my life. I'm so lost, so empty, and. Uh, Kevin Hansen, he started a church in Seattle. Small little church, small little thing, probably as big as that cabana there. And um, he invited me, and I went there for six months, and he's talking about Jesus, how Jesus died for me, and was buried and rose on the third day, and that if I confess him a sinner and accept him as call, let him into my heart, I'll be saved. And, and, and so when I made altar call, I got on my knees, I said, God, I don't want my dad's religion. He was Catholic. I don't want my Lord, mom's religion. She was Christian. But she was a hidden alcoholic. And she was never home. I never, I never, I don't remember where she is. I don't remember growing up with her. Um, my dad, he was drunk. All, he was drunk. He worked hard to come home, and he was abusive. And I said, I don't want the religion. You start talking about having a relationship through Jesus Christ. And so after I said that prayer, though, which the weird thing is, after I said that prayer, I went out. I bought three hundred dollars worth of drugs, and I went back to my apartment. And I, for the first time in my life, I sat down looking at my all my drugs I bought. And the first time in my life, I'm going, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm struggling with this dilemma here. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know, I couldn't understand 
I mean, I, I did what I normally do. That's what I know to do. Drugs. But I, for the first time in my life, I'm struggling. I'm asking, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then my boss, who became a boss, he told Kevin where I was living in my studio. I didn't know nobody. I didn't have no friends. I didn't want no. I was a loner. You know, I just wanted party friends. And the buzz started ringing. I'm off the second floor. And I wouldn't answer for a few minutes. And I finally answered, who's this? She said, Kevin. Kevin who? Kevin answered. What do you want? I want to talk to you. What do you want to talk to me for? I just want to talk to you. See how you're doing. I said, <laughs> so I hid away all my stuff. And I let him in reluctantly. And I'm sitting there talking to him for a while. And then um, I said, I got a confession to make. And I pulled out all my stuff. But I said, right after church, I went and bought all this stuff. Because that's what I do. That's how I roll. But I said, for the first time in my life, I'm going, what am I doing? What am I doing? And he's looked at me, didn't judge me, nothing. He goes, he goes, what are you going to do? I says, what do you mean? He says, what are you going to do? I says, what do you mean? He says, what does your heart tell you to do? I'm going, Looked at all that stuff I bought, looked at him, looked at stuff. And I picked it up. We walked downstairs. I walked up to the dumpster and I threw it on the dumpster. And I haven't been back since. In that moment, I didn't feel no different when I made out the call. I didn't feel God's presence. I didn't, I didn't hear nothing. I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel any different when I got out. But in that moment of time, when I asked God into my heart, He heard my cry for help. And he, God. he started to touch me. In that moment of time, He touched me. In that moment, my whole life changed. That desire for cocaine, that desire for marijuana, desire for acid, desire for sleeping around, it was gone. In the moment in time, God touched me and my whole life changed and ever since then it has never been the same. And it's not, never been the same. And um, I've had a lot of near death experience. I got hit my bike Seattle four times, woke up in the street. Hey, one lady hit me, said one lady hit me so hard, they tore my bike and they said I went over the hood of a car and landed on my head. And I woke up, I took a deep breath, I guess it knocked the wind out of me. And the people stared around me, yelling at traffic. Ambulance come pick me up, took me to the uh, hospital, took x-rays, no bruises, no bumps, no nothing. Wow. I got hit in a Camaro by a trunk driver right after I got saved. Total my Camaro. I didn't have my seatbelt out of my head, hit the windshield, shattered the windshield, put a hole in it, knocked me out. My pastor said for a whole month I looked like a raccoon, I had two black eyes. <laughs> but he said he couldn't want to look at Camaro. And he had hit right behind me, ripped open the, the bottom of the Camaro all the way to the rear tire, busted the rim and exposed the gas tank. Had he hit the gas tank, God knows what had happened. Mm. Had a full gas tank, I just topped it off. <laughs> um, um, recently, uh, this year, I was in the, back in seven years ago, mm -hmm. the VA found blood clots. I, I complained about stiffening my leg. I, I, I tell them about the symptoms. They took me to the VA hospital and they said, it sounds like I got blood clots. They found blood. He said, we got a couple of clots. Rushed over to Providence and operated on me. They operated on me and the doctor had a measuring roll next to the six inch black blood clot he pulled out of my artery. It was like a pencil. Like a big as a pencil. He couldn't believe I was still alive. The fourth operation, I went into a 19 hour coma. They didn't think I was going to come out of it. I came out of it. But when I came out of it, they kept me in the hospital three and a half months. On, on, uh, they, I'd wake up in pain, they'd give me a shot. Wake up, give me a shot. They did that for three months. I went in weighing 199, I came out weighing 130. Wow. I got mad, pulled out the feeding tube, pulled out everything. I was so weak because I was laying there for three months in a coma. I, I staggered back to my place and they called the lady who put me in there. 
and she called me up, bitch me. I said, if we don't get back there, you're gonna die. And I got back there, we did it. Anyway, for nine months, I was in pain. They gave me pain clothes. I couldn't, I was on crutches that killed me. I couldn't lay down, I couldn't move. And I finally cried out to God and asked him for a month I prayed. I said, Lord, you did all these things. You opened the eyes, you raised the dead, you healed the blind, you withered, you, you did all these things. I said, heal me. And after three days, I got mad at him and cussed. But I repented real quick. Like I said, oh, okay. I said, I said, look, God, whatever happens, it's in your hands. And then uh, the military wanted to cut off above the knee, but I, uh, my brother reminded me I was native. He said, you go to Native Hospital, get a second opinion. Yeah. I met this Jewish doctor. We talked. I said, how many do? He said, 60. Uh, I said, could you cut it down below the knee? Because the military wants to cut it up above the knee. My left leg. He says, yeah. I says, well, can you do it? He says, well, I'm going to be gone three days. Can you do it? Well, I got two months. Of course, I got to go now. Can you do it? Well, there's other people more qualified than me. I says, can you do it? He looks at me and goes, let me check my schedule. <laughs> and the nurse was standing on the corner listening to me, arguing with him. And she, she, I heard her moving around paperwork. And of course, hey, we got an uh, opening in three days. Can you, I said, three days? Wow. I said, well, let's do it before I change my mind. And he cut it off and he said it came out perfect. And uh, the rest is history. You know, God saved me from that blood clot. Could have, should have killed me. Mm. It killed my mother. But it didn't kill me, thank God. You know, yeah. six years of blood clot. So if you had three wishes, what would those three wishes be? Well, the one wish would be, I mean, God's restored my children out of me, but if, if I had a wish, and that's unreasonable, I wish I could have been totally sold out to God. And I believe if I was really sold out to God when I got married, because I married a non-believer, mm -hmm. if I was really sold out to God and really did follow God instead of playing games, I believe my marriage, my kids would have had a spiritual father that would have raised them my right today. Because, you know, my son's messed up right now. And he loves me, but he hates me. You know, because I wasn't there to raise him. I wasn't there to help him. I wasn't there to give him spiritual guidance. You know, and uh, that really, that question my heart when I think about it. Um, what should have, could have been, had I only been totally sold out to God 110%, how better my kids would have turned out. You know. And I can't tell you the things that you know, what happened to them uh, when I wasn't there with my mom's alcohol, my wife. And you know what? I really don't like to talk about other people because my dad, World War II veteran, said that. Son, always remember, never talk about nobody unless they're there to defend themselves. Yeah. Never. So I, I don't make a habit doing that anymore. You know? I don't allow, uh, if they're not there to defend themselves, I can't, I'm not going to talk about it. You know? I'm not going to say, well, this is what they did, this is what they said. You know, you should have. No. If they're not there to defend themselves, keep my mouth shut. Yeah, true. What's next? Um, do you have two more wishes? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that this one is just, I wish I could. If I started over, I definitely would have did it God's way instead of my way. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't really sold out to God. I wanted I wanted God, but I didn't want the power behind it. Yeah. I wanted God, but I didn't want the power of the resurrection. You know, I wanted church, but I didn't want to get involved in what the church was doing. Mm. You know, yeah. I wanted to be a secret agent Christian. That worked for a while, but God kept on, you know, just speaking in my lives. You know, all the revivals at at uh, Tony Ariati's church, people spoke in my lives. One 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 time, they I was sitting way in the back, and uh, they called everybody made altar call. I'm sitting in the back, being all holy, holy, and earth, you know, self righteous. And the pastor looked at me and says, "Are you?" Look around, me? Yeah, you. You saved? I said, 
I think so. And he goes, I see a familiar spirit over you. Come here, I want to pray for you. He comes up, puts her around me, looks at me, goes, God's got a word for you. He says, I'm going to put a ring in your nose. I'm going to put a ring in your ears. I'm going to put a little chain between you. I'm going to grab that chain. I'm going to whisper in your ear, and you're going to do exactly what I said. So I'm going to put my mark on you. And the last one he spoken in my life before I came up here was when I was homeless. I was working out of my van. I was homeless. I woke up at Thanksgiving. And I woke up and I said, God, I'm hungry and I'm cold. And I got on my bike and I biked around Seattle and I found his church I was serving Thanksgiving. I went, took 45 minutes to get up there and then the two young ladies said, well, sorry, we're full, we can't come in here. I said, I said, I'm hungry. Come back in 45 minutes, I'm wet and cold. Migrant them in the elderly lady pushed him aside. She said, you let him in. And she said, but we're full. She says, you let him in. God opened the door for me to get in there. When I went into the foyer, I was talking to teenagers and his captain, I think it was the army, Came up to me, says, I noticed you're talking to my teenagers. He says, Can I talk to you? I said, Yes, sir. He looked at me, says, God's got a word for you. I'm going, Oh, not again. He says, God's got a word for you. You want you listen, listen. I said, Yes, sir. And he says, I don't know where you're gonna go, what you're gonna do when you leave here, but God's got a word for you. I said, Yes, sir. He says, When you were six years old, something happened to you that forever changed your life. And ever since that day, Whenever life challenges you, you raise like a six-year-old child. But, but God says, if you'll give me one year of life, I will raise you up to where you were meant to be, and God, Satan will rule the day that he touched God's anointed. That moment he said, when you were six years old, the military couldn't figure out where my rage and anger was. I had it for years. I just It just exploded. I just couldn't control it. And I wouldn't give it to God. The reason why I didn't is when I was six years old, and I had a hard time talking about this, but when I was six years old, I was sexually abused. And the person that did it to me said that, if you don't tell nobody, I'll give you, I'll buy you a rifle. From the time I was six years old to the time I was 12 years old, it's blank. All I remember is I was six years old, sexually abused. I don't remember who did it. I don't remember nothing. But when I was like 11 or 12 years old, it was blank, but all I remember is one day I woke up, I'm standing in, in, the, in, in the beach with my friend, who both had a rifle, 22 Remington. That's all I remember. I don't remember what happened in between. From the time I was six to the time I was, it's all blank. I don't remember what happened. But my rage and anger came from that. But I, uh, when I turned 58, I made peace of that. I gave it all to God. June 20th, I'll be 67, and it's been from 58 till now, it's been the best years of my life. I talked to my son with Messenger. I talked to him on the phone. We talked to like 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. We live in Juno. And we just talked, 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 you know. And I, I apologized profusely to him. I'm sorry I wasn't there for him. I was working for my daughter. I was on my phone. And, uh, he loves me, but he says, I love you, but I hate you, Dad. I love you, but I hate you. He's, he's, he's got, he's taking pills and stuff. Like that. But um, I thank God that even though in the beginning I wasn't really sold out, now I'm really sold out. You know, um, I'm still struggling with things, but you know what? I went to different churches when I was recovering up here, but I believe God wanted me to come down to you guys and go down there. I'm like, go all the way down there. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for talking to me. That's yeah. your testimony is awesome, and God's definitely moving through your life for sure. Amen.